welcome back to the Shred Takes podcast show. It's been a while since I've been back on. Glad you guys are back to join me. So on this show, I'm going to talk about a few different things. I'm going to talk about the NFL. So within the NFL, I'm going to break down why people think Carson Wentz stinks and also like why he's so focused on within media, I think. Then I'm going to break down my top 10 NFL football teams leading into this weekend. And I'm going to break down also who I, in the NFC East, at least who, like who, how they think, who I think is going to win that division, because I think that's the division. I think that is the, the most controversial just because of how bad those teams are. Then I'm going to break down the NBA. I'm going to talk about the John Wall and Russell Westbrook trade. I'm going to talk about LeBron and AD signing those max deals that they signed. I'm going to talk about basically who, should really be blamed in the Clipper situation. Why I think Paul George's comments on all his all smoke podcasts really were not good for him. I think that they need to be addressed better. So I'm going to break down all that stuff as well as talk a little bit about college basketball, the difficulties of playing it, and also just like what I've seen and just from an overall kind of standpoint, just breaking that kind of stuff down as well. So I'm glad to have you guys back on and let's get this show started. So as I mentioned before, we're going to talk about the Carson Wentz whole drama. And for Eagles fans, it's been a frustrating year. And I understand that Carson Wentz statistically right now is the worst quarterback in football. He has the most interceptions and most turnovers in the NFL. His team has been slipping in past weeks. And do I think that's primarily because Carson Wentz stinks as a quarterback? No, I don't. I think he's been very bad this year. I think that the people who are defending him defend him a little too much. I think that he is actually, he has had good years in the past. This has just been a really, really disappointing bad year for him. So he's making a lot of just mental errors, trying to throw passes into windows that aren't there. When he's under rest, he's throwing the ball and, and causing interceptions and throwing out of bounds. He's trying to do too much. And when that's happening, the team's not su succeeding at a higher rate. But they also don't have the receiving core that can break open and get him open spots. They also don't have Zach Ertz, which I think is a big problem. They don't have their Pro Bowl left tackle. So, that, so there is a lot of problems. I think Doug Pearson also, he's not running the football, similar to Bruce Arians of the Bucks, And I think that's also a problem with Carson Wentz as a quarterback because he's, I think, is not good enough with minimal talent to make them rise above to the extent that he could last year. Last year they had a decent amount of talent, even though they weren't great. He was able to, you know, rise them above that their problems, right? He had 27 touchdowns and seven picks last year. This year he has 16 touchdowns and 15 interceptions, but also has a bunch of fumbles that cause him to be the lead, lead, lead league leader in turnovers. And I think that's going to have to be eliminated for his future. Now, do you give up on Carson Wentz? I don't think you give up on Carson Wentz. I think what you need to do is you need to get your, your offensive line back. You need to trade and do a better job. I think Doug Peterson probably will get be gone. And because the, the problem is his con Wentz's contract is hard to get rid of, right? He signed a max deal and those contracts are tricky in the NFL. They're hard to get rid of. So it's going to be hard just to say, let's just get rid of Carson Wentz altogether. Now you could bench him and start Jalen Hurts. And, you know, that experiment, I don't know about how that's went so far this year, really. I don't think it's really went to the Eagles' favor because Jalen Hurts hasn't had many opportunities to really prove himself. But I think that you need to give Carson Wentz one more shot next year. And if he doesn't produce... 
I think it's time to move on and time to get to get something else. But I think if you have a different coaching change, maybe he'll go back to the whence he was in 2019, 2018, 2017, right? And I think he's produced better all those years. So to really sit there and say Carson Wentz is not a good quarterback when he had a good year last year, I think it is is a fair argument because he's had a really bad year this year. But I think that, you know, Eli Manning also had a horrible year too. Now I'm not saying Car- – because Carson Wentz makes a lot of dumb plays and he needs to eliminate that from his game. But, you know, the Eagles have a choice to make. Do you stick with Carson Wentz or you stick with Doug Peterson, right? I think if they got rid of the coach, maybe he does better. But, again, you could also get rid of Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts could be producing more too. So, as a result of all of that, I think that's going to be the leading deal for Carson Wentz. On the next segment of the show, I'm going to break down the top 10 teams in the NFL. So, as I stated before, we're going to break down my top 10 NFL football teams entering tomorrow, and we'll see how these teams do. So, we got uh, 10, we got the Cleveland Browns. The reason I think Cleveland Browns are at 10 is simply because of the fact that they so as I was saying before, the Cleveland Browns are my, t- are my 10th best football team in the NFL entering this weekend. And the reason I think that is simply because I think their defense is very strong. I think they have, they have the best running game in football. And they're 8-3. and three. Now they have had one of the weakest schedules in the NFL. But I think that their running game and their defense is something that they can bring every game. And they're both very effective. So I think that they can actually get, they're going to get in the playoffs, in my opinion. And I think that they have a chance to actually challenge teams because of their defense in the running game. If Baker Mayfield just has a QBR over 70, I saw the stat, they are eight and up. And I think that is something that, you know, they have the potential of doing. Now, I think they, they have a chance this weekend to beat the Tennessee Titans. I don't think they actually will beat the Tennessee Titans, but I think that they are the 10th best team entering this weekend. Now, we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks for them because it's going to be all hinged on how Baker Mayfield plays. I think the running game will be there and the defense will be there, which they're both really good. So I think that they're the top, they're a 10th best football team because they're eight and three at this moment in time. Now at number nine, I have the I have the Rams, and the Rams slid a little bit for me. And the reason why is because they've lost to San Francisco. Now they're not like out of the top 10 for me because I think the Rams defense is still second to none in the NFL. I think that their running game is very strong. And I think Sean McVay is a great coach. Now their problem is Jared Goff, who's had five four touchdowns, six interceptions, and a bunch of fumbles as well. And as a result of that, they have digressed. And I think now they, but they're right now 0-2 against San Francisco this year, 7-2 against everyone else. So San Francisco might just be a bad matchup for them, but I think that they have the potential to be very good if they can get their team together in the right way. And also if Jared Goff can start just playing a little better football, right? Just not turn the ball over as much. I think they have a chance to at least – make some noise but right now they're number nine because of Jared Goff number eight is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the reason I believe that they slid for me right they, they, they were higher up on my list originally when I have like had made these rankings in the past but I think that right now they're eight because I think from an offensive standpoint Tom Brady is not as bad as people think I mean he has 28 touchdowns 11 interceptions I think that you know they showed against the Chiefs they have the potential of being very explosive. I think they're still figuring it out. I think they're going to win the next four games. They'll be eleven and five. They will definitely be a playoff team. And I think their their potential is greater than the Rams at this moment. Even the Rams have beaten them. The potential. I think that's where I look at for them. Number seven. So I had the Buffalo Bills, and the Buffalo Bills I think will move higher on that list as long as they continue to produce. And and the thing is with the Buffalo Bills, 
is I just need to see it over time. They, they, they have consistent windows. I think Josh Allen's a great quarterback. Their defense against the run is really, you know, it nervous, makes me very nervous. I think against a team like San Francisco this weekend, that's going to be a very big problem. They're like in the bottom five in the league in run defense. Um, I think Josh Allen, you know, while he can drive people nuts, has had a very good year for his, for his standards. And I think he's, you know, made definitely big progressions. But I think that Buffalo also has the potential to be a lot better than with number seven, because I think it's going to really be hinged on how well Josh Allen plays over this period of time. He's the X factor. Josh Allen plays like how he's been playing this year overall. I think they have a chance, but he's had some games this year where he hasn't played to his potential. So that's caused Buffalo to not get to the highest heights they can. But I think Josh Allen is a very good quarterback nonetheless, and that's why I have them at seven. Number six, I have the Tennessee Titans. And the Tennessee Titans I have at six because I think they are really, really good. I think that the running game, obviously Derrick Henry, he's the best running back in the NFL. Ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback, but he's a good quarterback, especially when given time and in play action. He does a pretty good job. He's thrown a touchdown pass in each of their last couple of games. And, and again, their defense isn't great, but they're a physical football team and they can beat you up with their run game. And I think that is going to really help them bode well. I think they have Super Bowl potential as long as Ryan Tannehill can produce. But the thing is, they're really dependent on Derrick Henry, which is why I have them behind the Green Bay Packers, who are my fifth best team. It's simple. Aaron Rodgers has been playing at MVP level. Their offense is ridiculously good but their defense is not that great. And for them to win a Super Bowl, I think they're going to be held back by their defense. And I think that's going to be the problem why I have them below Seattle. Seattle's defense has been playing a lot better the last couple of weeks. And I think also you have Russell Wilson, who's starting to play a little better from after having a rough stretch. Now the offense has played great recently, but he's, he hasn't turned the ball over as much. So I think that's important. Russell Wilson is a great, a very good quarterback. They have DK Metcalf. They're getting some other additions back. So Seattle is going to be four on my list. Three is the Saints. Saints continue to win, even with a Taysom Hill playing quarterback. And I think that they're going to, as long as Drew Brees comes back somewhat healthy, they could be the team that can win the NFC. I really do that. They have the number one defense of the last five weeks. Their defense looks, you know, they, it looks like you can't score against their defense. And I think against Atlanta this weekend, particularly if they're going to lose, I think they're going to win this weekend because I think their defense is just so good that they can make Taysom Hill, if he has an average game like he did against the Broncos, produce at a better level. So I think that they have a good, a good chance to really make a real big run. Number two, Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, they're the only undefeated team in the NFL. I think what holds them back is Ben Roethlisberger. And people are going to start being like, what do you mean? Ben Roethlisberger is a great quarterback. He is a great quarterback, but he has a tendency to turn the ball over, right? And we saw that against Tennessee where he had three interceptions. And we've seen that in other, in other games in his past, you know, seasons. And that's because I think he tries to take a lot of home run hits. He's going to be the, in order for them to beat the Chiefs, they got to win and at least the defenses, special teams or offensive passes. They win at least two of those. And I think their defense is very good. I think their offense has potential, but it's going to be hinged on if Ben Roethlisberger take care of the football, takes care of the football. He has done so, so far this season, but he has a tendency in the past to be able to have that issue. So we'll see what happens. And also because the Chiefs are so explosive offensively, that's why I have them at one. The Chiefs just look unbeatable. Like the Raiders beat them, but like, you know, again, they find ways to win, right? They almost blew a lead against Tampa Bay. And I understand that, but they have a decent, their defense is getting better. And because they get, they get, they get, a, so they cause a lot of turnovers. And what also happens for the Chiefs is that they also can develop really good talent with Patrick Mahomes, right? Travis Kelsey right now 
is the best tight end in football. Tyreek Hills is, you know, getting 200 rush, you know, receiving yards. And Patrick Mahomes also is just a great quarterback. So it's just going to be hard to beat them nonetheless because you're going to have to try and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field because if he's on the field, he's going to produce. And I don't know if Pittsburgh's good enough to do that. Now they can, I think Pittsburgh's really the only team in the AFC that can beat the Chiefs. Um, and I think that's because of the fact that they have a great defense, they their offense is normally good. But I think that Kansas City takes the ball, takes care of the ball better, has more weapons offensively. That's why I have them as the number one team in the NFL. Now, when I get back in the next segment of my show, we're going to break down the NBA trades I went into. We're going to break down just the different kind of stuff within the NBA, such as the LeBron Max deal and all that kind of stuff that I wanted to get into. So we'll break that down and then a little bit of college basketball to end it, end it up. So I'll be back in the next segment to break that down. Hello, everyone. So now I want to break down the Westbrook to Wizards and John Wall to Houston trade. Talk about who won that trade. Talk about what it means for both teams and that kind of stuff. So I've talked to a few guys I know from D.C. about it. And basically they are, you know, di you know, disappointed that Wall has to leave because of all the great things he's done for the community of, of, the, the, of Washington, D.C. and the outside D.C. area. But I think they understand that Westbrook is a better pickup. And, and clearly who won this trade was clearly the Wizards. Because I'm not saying John Wall is not a great player, but he's coming off a ruptured Achilles. He hasn't played basketball in two years. He's very unknown. And I don't know why Houston had to take on this deal. Maybe because they're saying, we got to get rid of Westbrook's contract. Westbrook wants out. This is the only guy team that would pay out for that. So we'll take John Wall, get Westbrook out of here. If that's their strategy, then I kind of understand that. And you know, we can move on from there. Now, do I think Houston, if John Wall is, is any sort of shell, if he's shell himself, I don't think they're going to be that great because you have a guy like Boogie Cousins. You don't know how he's going to be. You don't know how John Wall is going to be. And then you look, you have Christian Wood, who's very good. You have PJ Tucker, who, you know, can produce. You have James Harden. You have Eric Gordon. So do they have the potential to be a really talented team? Absolutely, they do, right? They still have Daniel House, too, right? But I think their problem is they lost a lot. And I don't know how John Wall coming in makes them a, a championship team because I don't know what he's going to be based on the rupture of Achilles. I'm not questioning if John Wall is a good player. That's not the point. When you guys hear the point that I'm saying is I don't know what he's going to be off his rupture of Achilles because few guys have come back the same after an injury like that, right? The only one that really comes to mind is Dominic Wilkins. Maybe KD and John Wall both come off their Achilles tears and are the same player. I hope they are, right? I, I actually do that. But even, even more so, Westbrook's a better player than John Wall. And I think people would agree with that, even though Westbrook can drive everyone crazy with his lack of ability to shoot threes and his turnover prone and his, you know, going way too quickly to the basket and, and you know, missing too many shots at the rim in, in the playoffs, especially. But I think he makes the Wizards a team that's going to be fighting for a playoff spot. I think, look, if they can get to the first round, they'll make it tough on someone, but they're not going to be a championship team. And for people to say that that's the best backcourt in the NBA, that's, that's ridiculous, right? It, it looks like that, right? But you also have, again, Let's look at Portland. I think they have a better backcourt, right? And I think that's an obvious one. I think the Suns have a better backcourt than those two because it's how you mesh together. And I think it's also how the team's going to be successful. Phoenix will be more successful than Washington this year, right? Portland, I think, will be more successful than Washington this year. I think Washington will be a playoff team. I think they'll be like the seventh seed in the West and sorry, in the East. But, you know, they won the trade, but I don't think they're going to, you know, have an NBA championship around the door. 
but Westbrook will produce a lot of numbers. Bradley Buell will probably score a lot of points too. And we'll see, you know, and we'll see how Avija plays. And um, they got Robin Lopez, so that might be a good fit for them. But Robin Lopez is not much of a scorer. Robin Lopez is more of a uh, kind of like eight points, eight rebounds, you know, good defender kind of player who I think will bring some toughness to that Wizards team. And Westbrook also has played for Scott Brooks and had success with him in the past. So I think that could also turn them in the right direction. Now, I want to talk about LeBron James and AD's contracts because everyone's getting all upset that LeBron took all this money. But let's be honest, if LeBron took the minimum, everyone would be angry at him too because they'd be like, oh, you know, he's going to get, you know, Giannis and he doesn't want competition, right? So LeBron really just can't win in any situation. I think having him for two more years is a good idea because you don't know what he's going to be past 37 years old. And then basically he can be the best player this year, maybe the next year too. Get hopefully for him, if he wants to catch Michael Jordan, win five or six championships, then you have AD come as the best player and you market people through that. I think that's all I really think about that. It's a quick segment. I just think that, that what they did basically is they solidified their roster. I think the Lakers still have a very good roster. I think they should be the preseason favorite to win the championship. But I also think that Brooklyn is, is the other preseason favorite. And I think Miami also should not be discounted. People discount Miami will, will forever regret it. So that's how I feel about that. Now, I want to talk about the, the Clippers because I think everyone needs to understand the Clippers in, in detail, right? And all these Clippers fans are coming around and saying, oh, we had the best team last year, the bubble, we just didn't have the chemistry. Well, here's the problem. Now you have Paul George going on and all the smoke and blaming Doc Rivers because Doc Rivers is gone saying how Doc Rivers is really the problem with the team. He caught, and like in terms of the adjustments he made, in terms of how he used Paul George. And, and, and again, a lot of excuses, right? A lot of excuses, but didn't take any accountability for what he did. Now, I'm not saying Paul George is a bad player. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm just questioning his accountability level that he took in that podcast and that he's been taking since, since the season's over. Doc Rivers did not cause Paul George to shoot four for 16 against the Nuggets in game seven or shoot 30% against the Mavericks who had, did not have a good defensive team last year, right? Paul George was in his own head. And I think that's where he is right now. I think he's making a lot of excuses because he's very in his own head. He's overthinking a lot of the situation. I think Matt Barnes, I, I like Matt Barnes as an analyst. I think he makes a lot of really solid points. And he said that. He said Paul George is in his own head right now. He's overthinking a lot of situations. And I completely agree. I think all these excuses are the fact that he's overthinking it. The, you know, the media is getting a little too much on him because people are going to like just brush away the fact that Kawhi, you know, is doing other stuff, which I'll get into in a minute, that, you know, they're not going to criticize him. They're only going to criticize They're Oh, Kawhi. Uh, only lost because of Paul George, but I'll get to Kawhi in a second. But like with Paul George, right? You, you can't be making excuses as a superstar and can't blame a head coach for the reason you didn't do well, right? You didn't do well, maybe because of that coach, but you also just didn't play very well, right? You know, make your shots when you're open, right? You know, if you go to the basket, make your layups, right? And like, like I know that's a hard, harder thing, easier said than done, right? Because you can't just like say that and, you know, because oh, look, defensive schemes are different. I understand that. Right, but he had some open shots, and he's a good shooter. He can hit those shots, right? Um, and I think that, you know, Paul George has the capability of being better. I hope for him that he does have a bounce back season. But right now, that, that's, that's a problem that, that's going starting out. And it all stems from Kawhi Leonard and his load management, right? I'm not going to go in and, like, call, like, these media people call them a prima donna and all this kind of stuff. I'm not going to do that, right? Because I'm going to attack what, what happened, basically. Right, it's the fact that they were not having the load management, him missing practice, him practicing when he wanted to, him being late for flights, and the fact that he's a silent leader. Right, the fact that he's a silent leader doesn't really help the Clippers very much. That's why I think they needed like a guy like Ronda to come in there and make a difference. 
Serge Ibaka, while I think he does a great thing, he's not necessarily a leader, right? He's a great teammate and a, and a good player, but he's not a leader. They don't really have a leader on their team still. So I think that the Clippers are going to – can Tyron Lue fix that? Absolutely. You know, he's got, he's got a big, you know, big shoulder, big, big weight on his shoulders, excuse me. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. And I think just like I – get, I get sick and tired of these athletes coming on and blaming the coaches for all the problems, right? Coaches are responsible, right? The adjustments they make, I understand, right? The, the, the defense causes you to do stuff, right? Because there's different defensive schemes, right? That, that guard certain players different ways. Like Kawhi was getting a lot of, you know, double team and gap coverage a lot of times when he was trying to drive, which caused him to take contested mid-range jumpers. And I understand that, right? But Paul George was open a lot of times in three and just simply just did not hit shots, right? And for him to go and blame everyone else by himself and say, hey, I could have played better, that's a little bit of a problem. And I think that he needs to fix that in order for the Clippers to meet their potential and in order for him to meet his potential, right? 